Welcome back to the podcast, Who Is It For? with me, Marcus. And today I'll be joined by Helen from Kiev in Ukraine. Helen is a well-versed UX and UI designer and she has a thriving Instagram account where she teaches others about UX and UI design. Uh, you can find her at ui.helen on Instagram. I will also provide a link in the show notes. But today we are going to talk about if UX is a universal language and if so, how can you design for it uh, across different cultures and borders that might be difficult in some cases. So this is a conversation that I was very inspired by and and it was super interesting to hear Helen's um, point of views on it. So. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation as much as I did. But before I let you go, I would just invite you to, if you enjoyed the podcast, um, this episode or early episodes that I've made, please give it a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts because there is like 75% of <laughs> all of you who are listening are listening on Apple Podcast. So it will help the podcast immensely if you gave it a review or just a rating because that helps get the podcast up on the ratings and more people can find it. But without further ado, enjoy this episode with Helen from Ukraine. So welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to a special episode where we, where I'm joined by Helen, who is based in Kiev in Ukraine. And today we're going to talk about UX, Isn't, is it a universal language and how do you design for different cultures and different countries? But before we jump into that big question, Helen, can you maybe tell me a bit about your background and what do you do? <laughs> okay. Um, hello, everyone. Um, so you probably found me on my Instagram. Um, and I started uh, design back into 2011 or 2012. I have a printing and publishing technology bachelor's degree. Um, so I'm, I was kind of connected to little bits of design uh, in typography and, uh, you know, magazines, layout books and stuff like that. Um, and I worked in a couple of Ukrainian companies, um, including advertising companies. And, um, you know, I switched to freelance like first time in 2014. And I thought, okay, that might suit my uh, kind of mental um, state and my lifestyle and then uh, I had a client um, who uh, wanted to build a web application and uh, two mobile applications so my graphic design had to switch to UI UX uh, but those times we didn't have such strong community on Instagram and um, it wasn't like as popular as it is now so um, I like I'm like totally self-taught YouTube helped me. I don't even remember what I watched, but um, it was like a long time ago. Uh, and yeah, so I had a, a job uh, at that startup for like three and a half years until in October uh, 2018, I switched back to freelance again. And since then, like for the five or six 
months. I'm uh, like full-time freelancer and I have clients from all around the world. And also I do my blog on Instagram, as you well know, where I educate uh, people who are just starting. And I do that because there was nobody to do it for me when I was starting. So I had to like search for this information. And I think like that's my community work. Yeah. <laughs> just like doing that. Yeah. Um, and you have a background as a graphic designer, right? I started in a, a technical university of Ukraine. It's not design background. It's printing and publishing technology, which oh, okay. means I know how the machines that are printing are constructed. But we had a little like practice at the actual factory where they have all those big lines, um, all those machinery. And the, one of the machines just, you know, I, I touched it and uh, some electricity went through me and I'm like, no, I'm not going to work here. <laughs> you got electrocuted. Uh, a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I thought, okay, that's fun. And I love the smell of fresh paper and paint and uh, all, all that stuff. But the thing is that I went there because I wanted to connect myself with books as I wanted to write a book. I am like, I kind of write good in my native language. Um, but then, you know, uh, things went too digital. And I, I said to myself, okay, Helen, well, you, if you're going to work in a magazine, uh, maybe in a couple of years, all the magazines will become digital. So you need to uh, start looking at uh, something else. Printing is not very popular here, you know. Like we have all those audiobooks and stuff. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the university, we had a little bit of Photoshop, Illustrator, and InDesign, and also some HTML, CSS, and PHP. But this is totally not my story, you know. <laughs> so, so the work you mainly do for your clients is mainly like user interface design, is that right? Or does it consist of anything else? There are things that I love most, but uh, mostly I do websites, uh, SaaS, uh, web applications, uh, those boring dashboards that everybody hates. I love them, you know? Oh, yeah? Yes. It's, it's because I'm more technical rather than artist, you know? Oh, you are? It, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, like, it doesn't tell on your Instagram, I would say. It's the opposite, actually. I know, and you know, I made it on, on the purpose. Oh, <laughs> yeah? Because I'm, a, I'm like a different personality. I'm, um, I can be over-expressive, but at the same time, I can be very, very closed. Uh, so, yeah, I love dashboards. And I'm like, I, I think that designer is not an artist. I don't remember where I've seen this phrase. It was somewhere on Instagram, but this is like me. I am not artist at all. I tried illustration. I tried advertising where you like make all those posters and um, complicated Photoshop um, collages from the pictures and stuff like that. No, no, this is not me. And I don't really draw um, good you know so i'm not an artist uh, and but because i have technical background i have analytical thinking so yeah 
But uh, I do um, the dashboards, websites, mobile applications, and sometimes I do logos because a lot of clients come to me and they have something already done. And uh, like 90% out of the 100, logo looks bad. And I know that whatever I do, the logo will just kill it. So, <laughs> so I like offer them, uh, maybe I can do a logo for you because I did it before, so it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it. That's quite a lot, but yeah. <laughs> but so, like, doing your work, have you, like, come across that it ha have been hard to, like, design for different clients from different countries because of maybe, I don't know, uh, a cultural difference in the way they perceive the, the, the design uh, compared to you? There are a couple of uh, difficulties in terms of um, the languages. Um, I will be honest with you. I will not design uh, for people who write from like from right to left. Oh yeah. Because I don't know these cultures, and um, I try to avoid that um, because you know you can't be professional in everything. Um, and obviously there is a huge difference uh, in terms of what Ukrainians slash Russians like in comparison to Europeans and in comparison to Americans. Mm. So European design is like, it's uh, calm, clear, a lot of space, a lot of Helvetica. <laughs> Because everybody likes the Swiss style. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, Americans are are more into into bold imagery uh, in uh, huge titles, uh, color. Um, I never did the Chinese or Singapore or something like that uh, because they are um, in love with colors which are too vivid for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you look at, um, at how they're dressed and their fashion, if you know about fashion, uh, and you probably know, <laughs> they have different style and fashion. Mm. It has reflection to the websites they made, uh, they make. So yeah, and uh, there are uh, also differences in terms of color. I will not bring you examples right now, but, uh, for example, white color does not mean clear uh, and like air and uh, something calm in all countries. Here in Denmark, we, we, yellow is, is also a happy color, but it's also a color which convey jealousy as well. So you can use it in that terms as well. Um, it's connected to some historical um, uh, background. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Don't. Uh... It has to be because why would it be connected to jealousy? Mm. But you can say that almost about every color which has a meaning, right? It has to be connected with something, right? Here, yellow is connected uh, as maybe you know we have a flag. It's like yellow stripe and a blue stripe. Yeah. So yellow is not connected to jealousy. Yellow <laughs> is a color of. Um, uh, you know the the plants, the uh, the seeds that feed our country. We make bread out of it, you know. Yeah. And blue is the sky, so yellow and blue are like happy colors here. Oh, you make me feel bad because I don't know the meaning of our country's flag. 
I don't know. It's just red and bright. I don't know what it means. <laughs> so. It's like a, a cereal uh, growing on the field and the blue sky. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so would you say that this is like the big question? Would you say that UX is a universal language when you design, or UX? Uh, well, we it can depends on how you understand UX, language, actually. <laughs> yes, my understanding of user experience is it's just a part of client experience, uh, brand experience. So um, we can't say that we have some universal language in anything, especially in IT and tech, which is like the most rapidly changing environment. And there are no, um, there are no solutions that can be applicable to everything. Let's, I will bring one example and I was writing about it. Um, so we used to the fact that we have like hamburger menu on a site, right? Um, okay, it worked. We had iPhone 3, iPhone 4, iPhone 5, iPhone 6, and now we have all those huge iPhones X Max or whatever, and all those Samsung's S10, and you will never reach that hamburger with your finger unless you turn your phone like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so if that hamburger thing was a universal thing that everybody used to uh, apply in mobile uh, website to hide the menu under it or, um, you know, in the applications, now I strongly believe that this is uh, going to be Google will introduce some uh, tweaks in the operation system, but they will move it to towards something on the bottom so that users could reach it with their thumb. So there is no universal language. And uh, we just spoke about cultural differences. So how can we say that there is a universal um, met methodology of approaching all design work if we have so many different cultures and, you know, uh, the way people write from uh, left to right, right to left, top to bottom. So, yeah, I think there is no universal language. I would like that there was in some cases, because just if you if you just take like uh, all the big social media, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook, it's not similar on each platform how you like like a photo and that annoys the hell out of me because it doesn't make any sense on instagram you double tap on facebook when you double tap you like you enlarge the, the photo and on, on linkedin i don't know even know what happens when you do it on mobile but and and i would just like that some of those conventions would be like universal in some sense when you do these gestures it's the same and then we can start to talk about um a universal language but there is none on regarding mobile apps and, and how you interact and gestures. And that's, I, I would say in, in some cases, uh, a very, very bad user experience when you jump from, from one social platform to another uh, daily. Um, but yeah, at some point you get used to it, but I would just say that it's, it would be nice that 
we have the hamburger menu, as you mentioned, which was almost universally adopted. And I don't, I don't like it that much right now. I think it's, it's too overused. And it's, as you said, it's, it's hard to reach on mobile phones. I wanted to say something. Sure, I have never double tapped a photo on Instagram. You're kidding, right? I'm not kidding. So, so you pressed it. You pressed a heart. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that I'm sure that our people who don't double tap. Um, I saw my sister, and she's like seven years uh, younger than me. She double taps all the time, and I'm like, why would you push it twice if you have a heart and you push it once? Because you have to move your finger further down, right? You have to, if you if you're right-handed, you have to move your finger all the way across to the to the left side. That's hard. <laughs> it's never bothered me, so yeah. I don't have that issue with social media because the heart, I think the heart is placed everywhere at the same place. Not yeah. Facebook, yeah. but I think I think yeah, the way I, place where you like is is usually at at the left corner. Left corner, yeah. Just yeah. check. Uh, so yeah, but I would like uh, to have some. Well, we definitely will have some universal stuff like hamburger. But I, I just brought the hamburger to the table because I think it's gonna change in some time. Um, but yeah, we do. We always put the menu on the website on the top or on a side. I've never seen menus at the bottom, you know, or on the right. Maybe I saw like. Uh, I saw a lot of websites and I've never seen something like menu being on the right or at the bottom. So we can say that menu on the top and me or menu on the right is kind of a cliche method of placing the menu on the website. But I might be wrong. I yesterday discovered a website with some crazy websites. They have no UX whatsoever. No? Firing, you know? Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm baffled that you never double tapped on a photo. That's yeah. <laughs> you never know who you're dealing with. No, 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 no. I'm not dealing with a double tapper here. That's that's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. Um, no, um, yeah. Regarding the hamburger menu, I've talked about this on the podcast in Danish before, and and. I think it's it's a shitty way of, of doing menu design because it's not intuitive for people, um, especially people who aren't maybe familiar with this type of design. How should one know that three stripes equals a menu, right? That's a good question. Every time I suggest uh, to move uh, the menu somewhere like closer to the bottom or on a side so you could reach it with your uh, thumb, Clients are so used to that, nobody has agreed to go for something revolutionary here. So I just continue doing that. But you can also put a word menu. I saw stuff like that. You yeah, yeah. Word menu and like um, underline it so the user understands that it's kind of a link and something's going to happen if you press it or put it in the uh, like um, button shape. Um, thing so there are some ways of doing it apart from having three stripes mm -hmm. do you know the story behind the three stripes because i don't no i actually don't know how it came about um 
I've just I've seen various versions of the hamburger menu and and how people use it, um, but I actually don't know why and how it, it it started out. And I've also seen only two stripes as well. Um, and just if you're like just considering your, I don't know, a not that tech savvy person, how would you know that three stripes equals a lot of other menu points. <laughs> I think I need to make a post about it. I will definitely go into this subject because I never asked myself this question. How do I know it? Exactly. And I just know it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the even more important part, right? Because, because you might know it, I might know it, but does the people you design to know it? And that's even like, because I always grab onto myself and say, Remember, it's not you're not designing for yourself. You're never designing for yourself. You're always designing for everybody else. So you, you need to have those people in mind, even though it can be very, very hard to put yourself in those places. Um, um, but yeah, um, and navigation on websites nowadays is very, for non-tech savvy persons, unintuitive, I would, I would say, if you're just starting out and never seen like a, a one-pager website, it's, it wouldn't make sense at, at first glance, I, I would argue. Well, I think that websites that you have to swipe to the side, even for me, it's, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I would not go for that kind of design, and I never did. No. One concept, but um, the, okay, the, the landing page where you have a menu at the top and you have the words explaining, okay, reviews, why us? for example, or, yeah. uh, and it, then it jumps to some particular section uh, down below. Okay, this, this actually works because, well, it's pretty intuitive. Just press it and you will be brought to the, <clears throat> the section. In terms of um, the web pages that are um, full screen and then you um, scroll and the whole screen changes, um, I like it. Because visually, I like it. But at the same time, uh, or everything I've seen on AdWords, uh, they are made by designers or by creatives on different spheres for creatives of different spheres. Exactly. It's not for a typical company, you know, like a small insurance company somewhere in a small city. Uh, they will never go for it. No, no. Most websites just need to uh, give you information, uh, give you ability to buy something from the company, and give you ability to contact the company if you have questions. That's it. Yeah, I I totally agree, and 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 therefore websites and web pages should just be more intuitive to interact with, also on mobiles as well, uh, and. I think someone, I think people sometimes are trying a bit too hard to make them too fancy and then you overstep the boundary of understanding how to use a website. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my main point was just that, that it can sometimes be too fancy, which makes it unintuitive for people to use. Um, what do you do here? Do you swipe? Do Which type of gestures do you use to, to, to get to the information you, you need to know, right? Um, Totally agree with you. Yeah. Okay. If you're dealing with people who are older, 
you need to consider the font size as well because uh, <clears throat> I have a client in aviation industry Ooh. and what he explained to me is that aviation people are mostly mature people and like 90% of those people um, they're uh, like uh, wearing glasses and stuff like that so we have slightly enlarged fonts in the system just for them to like read it um, better and we need to consider that as well and some people who are older they have you know you have that setting in the iPhone when you can enlarge the font mm -hmm. so once you do it all UI that you've done for a to totally out the window, yeah. Years, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we need to consider that as well when designing for that type of audiences. Yeah, my parents ha has those settings on their iPhones, and it's it's annoying to look at because I like everything as small as possible, so you can like cram uh, uh, that much information onto the screen as possible. But yeah, um, then you just have to scroll quite a lot when you use their phones. <laughs> um, do, you, do, do you think that, that, that culture affects the way you design your, your, your work for your clients or is it, is it more or less... Um, no, that, let me just ask that question first. <laughs> okay. Well, it does. But not only because of the cultural difference to my own culture. It also depends on their own personality. Uh, there are people from, um, like, we consider, like, some people from uh, southern countries being more calm and they tend to be, like, more consistent, concise in the text and stuff like that. If you have a personality as bright as I have, like one my, my Danish client, all this con like cliche things, uh, thoughts, sorry about, uh, uh, sorry, not southern, northern countries, mm. it disappears because he he's like a, a son. He's too active. He's even too active for me, and I'm very expressive. <laughs> uh, personality matters. Um, and also, in terms of cultural difference, the way clients from different countries are used to work means a lot. They have, um, some people are not open to discuss anything with you, even design-wise, without you signing NDAs, let's say. And some people just tell you what they want done, and they don't want to participate. So can we say it's a cultural difference that affects design? It affects design in some other way. Not colors, not the design itself, but it affects the um, result of how I do design in, as much as their cultural differences in terms of like how they um, uh, think, how they um, um, think about colors and stuff like that. So I think every, it's like a mixture of a lot of different... Would you say that your designs are better if you understand the culture better or if there is less, um, let's say, uh, difficulty in, in, in communicating the process between you and your client? Hmm. I'm the person who can find a way to speak to anyone, but uh, I would never go uh, and work with a 
person who I couldn't establish a contact within first five minutes because I know that uh, no matter how good I am or like how professional I am, this is not going to work. I will do the best sign I can and he will think it's a lot of crap um, just because we didn't have that, like we didn't click from the start. So I had a couple of issues like that where I didn't take the project on and I did not regret a single second. Uh, but I'm not going to go into detail here. No, 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 you don't have to. <laughs> well, I will not say anything new, but um, sometimes uh, I fall into situations where they pay, they get. Okay. So I can recommend, I can uh, bring to the table like some articles that kind of support my own thinking, right? Or some books, uh, whatever. And it will not work. He wants it in yellow. He will have it in yellow because unfortunately we, we can say we're designing for users, um, but we also are designing for business owners and we need to just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad. I know, but mostly they pay they get it's very applicable here in um, my part of the world um, where clients know what they want and they think they know better than you or and they dog knows better than you and their wife knows better than you i can't say that about Euro europeans or americans because they're like they're they're communicating with you i think i went too far away from from the question no 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 worries um um, is it, do you get happy if you see your design being used to the full extent that it was intended or do you get like, I don't know, angry or mad if it's misused in, uh, in another way and it, then it was intended? Hmm. I'm happy if it's used for sure. I am even more happy if the issues are found because it means that we have a room for improvement and it means that I can make a conclusion about my own work. And uh, obviously it gives me some psychological um, knowledge about psychology of people. So not all people interact with things like I do or people who I know or used to know before. It's like the analogy is my not me not double tapping on the like. You know. <laughs> Uh, of course, I'm happy that my designs are used because I think that like 50%, maybe even more of startups that I made design for, they search for investment and they don't, they don't find it. And maybe some of those projects will never be online. This is sad. Mm -hmm. So if your design is used like and, and the startup or a company that hired you, is actually uh, using what you've produced, we should be happy about that, I think. No matter what uh, they find issues, they want you to move, make it better, this is all great. The worst thing that can happen is when the design doesn't even go into development phase. Yeah. Have you ever gotten like feedback on that the users don't understand this type of design and we need to redo it? Or... Hmm? I had, um, when I worked in the office, 
we had a pretty specific registration form. It had to include at least two um, screens with security questions because it was like secure system, let's say. And uh, once first users came on board, they made comments that this is so overwhelming. Like I need to fill in so many fields. I understand that you're trying to secure my account and I want that software, but can you please make it less complicated? But eventually after the first user's feedback and they asking to like make a registration process smaller, like more understandable and mm -hmm. less overwhelming, we managed to reduce the registration process from seven screens to four and everybody were happy. So we stayed secure with our security questions, but at the same time, we didn't have that huge process that they had to go through. We moved a lot of features like, um, you know, when you can skip them, but then system like reminds you that if you want to secure your account more, you can click here and do this. Mm. So yeah, so I had situations like that, obviously. And with aviation client as well, we had a registration process um, uh, it's other way around, by the way. Okay. Too little. Uh, like just uh, when you created an account, you needed to fill in your name, last name, um, email, and create password, and that was it. But then as we added more roles into the system, we needed to consider that some of those roles in aviation are required to be licensed by government. So to accept them as that particular role, like maintenance organization for example they need to have an id so we needed to implement a way to grab those ids from the system and check them but we're still working on that <laughs> yeah yeah that seems like a complicated process to go through that's great more <laughs> technical stuff yeah <laughs> um this is this is like the big question. So um, and I don't think there's a right and wrong answer to it. Um, but is there a, is it possible to have like and we, we skimmed across it earlier? But is it possible to have like this ultimate u universal language where everyone like this is utopia where where everyone can have the same type of design language using, or is it just like wishful thinking? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm dreaming um, that one day we will all move to virtual reality and we will have one big internet with one big interface and everything will be different but similar. You know, like you will not have websites, you will have rooms where you can see all the products and the shelves where you can see all the clothes. And yeah, but that's, that's a long way, I think. Um, for now... You know, we all use some common templates when we design stuff. Like we spoke about the menus and uh, the navigation and the buttons are pretty much the same um, everywhere. Uh, so there are universal methods that we can use, but in overall, there is no universal language. No. I, I think you're. I think you're right as as well. I I think it's going to be hard to create one universal language at the moment. But I think 
that we have more or less a lot of like uh, ways we interact with websites and apps on that are very much universal uh, and is adopted almost everywhere um, despite cultural on languages but um, unless we are all gonna become one big super country I don't see it happening and we're not going to become one single country. It's impossible. I don't think so. The European Union is probably the closest thing to it. <laughs> but yeah, but we, but we won't. We Danish people won't want to be assimilated to like Swedish people. We we hate those. We have a love. You know you have this issue. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but. <laughs> No, we have like a love-hate relationship with them. So, um, but even though we are very closely related in also like design language and uh, and just culture in essence, so it doesn't make any sense that, that. So we would be very equal on on those terms, right? One solution is is very far off to to consider for this like universal language. I I don't think that's that's a possibility. I'm hoping it will never happen because then uh, the the designer's amount will be tiny because you will just need to learn that one universal language and that's it. And so probably some um, developers uh, will just make a robot that will do it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And it's going to be so boring to look at, right? It's if everything is the same, right? And everything is just under the same design language. Even though it sounds great that it would be easier to design for clients and stuff like that, if they're using the same design language, it would also be very, very boring for users to look at, I, I would assume, and to use if everything is the same. And there's not enough room for like innovation and creativity, in my opinion. But Creativity will prosper because what I see in like my um, American clients, even companies like <clears throat> uh, companies related to law, uh, well, those kind of companies used to have like boring websites. They they have zero creativity, like, and now they want to look more revolutionary, more innovation, more everything. Because there are so many companies out there that do uh, uh, law, do law services, right? Uh, they need to differentiate themselves somehow. And people will want to differentiate themselves and companies will want that. So I think that designers will have a lot of work to do. For sure, for sure. And it's, it's, it's a challenge to get people also... I think it's a challenge to get people to understand the value of design sometimes. Um, but I think we did a decent job to try and convey that <laughs> meaning to people today. Um, that thing. Um, you can do it in five minutes. It's such a tiny job. You can do it in a day. Or um, I know you're capable of doing that page in a couple of hours. I mean... Why would somebody say that? Yeah. That's because they don't understand like the gravity of, of, of design work and, and and how complex it is to to understand users' needs and clients' needs and 
and what goes into choosing the right typography and choosing the right color and using a lot of white space and not using white space. And <laughs> uh, Why do you argue with doctors and surgeons? <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. that? Uh, Can yeah. you nose, please? Oh, it's going to cost $5,000. Hmm, what if we didn't finish here? It will cost two, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you never hear that, right? And then uh, it would be a... I, I think we, we, we would be surrounded by poorly designed things around in our world if, if that was the case. So maybe this is a good thing. I don't know. But um, I think we reached the end. Maybe uh, I think the solution is, is up for grabs. If anyone has any better solution to a universal language, feel free to, I don't know, DM me or something. I don't <laughs> um, but um, Helen, where can people find you if they want to follow your work? Um, mainly I'm on Instagram, um, and also I tend to connect to people on LinkedIn. I've chosen this, uh, social network because it's like more professional and on Instagram, I'm like more like entertaining <laughs> and uh, teaching people. But yeah, if you want to reach me, here's my Instagram, LinkedIn, that's, that's it. <laughs> I will, I will drop some links in, in the show notes so people can find you. And um, thank you so much for joining me for this discussion about universal languages, uh, universal design languages as well. So thank you very much, Helen. Thank you. It was very nice to meet you. You too. So this was the episode with Helen and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. It was super interesting and inspiring to listen to Helen's thoughts and ideas and her hands-on experience with designing for different clients in different countries and cultures. So I would just like to thank Helen for joining me on the podcast. And for future episodes, I'm going to be taking in um, questions from you guys, if you have any questions. And the way I'm going to do that, there's two ways. Um, you can either send your question in by Instagram on the podcast Instagram, which is with design, W-I-I-F design. You can send a voice note on the platform that I use for my podcast, which is Anchor. And that's A-N-C-H-O-R. Um, so if you download that app for your phone, you can can send the podcast a voice note and then I can include that in future episodes if you have a question that you might want me to ask and discuss with my guests um, about anything design. So anything design and uh, creativity related, feel free to ask me that and I will include that in future episodes. If you made it this far, thank you very much for listening and I'll hope to hear you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Bye.